Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, I am interviewing Nuri Lee. Now, let me tell you how I, I, I found Nuri. You know I like these reality shows. I've talked to several people in the reality world. This particular person actually is on a British reality TV show and one that was extremely, extremely interesting. It was shown here in the United States on the CW. I think it was kind of during COVID times. We were bringing in shows from other countries just to fill space because things weren't being produced. And, of course, we hadn't seen the shows that were, were broadcast in, in other countries. So it was something that they could easily, easily purchase the rights to, to put them on. Uh, and that's what happened here. The reality show is called Killer Camp. <laughs> and uh, it, uh, it basically, either there's one person who is the killer, major air quotes there, who's killing off the rest of the, the group and trying to figure out who's friends and who's foes and who's acting like your friend and and really there to to kill you there's challenges you know it's kind of a regular group reality show type thing where there's eliminations but this elimination is killing the person so that's kind of why i reached out because i had watched that show killer camp during covid times i think they've actually made a few seasons u.s based now too um, but I watched it, and I just thought it was such an interesting concept, a fun show to watch. Um, so I wanted to reach out to some people. So Nuri was actually on the show. She's actually the first person to be, air quote, killed. Um, but then I realized she's got a whole other side tour that's another area that I really, really am interested in, and that is being a professional performer. You know, I've talked to so many different performers, ballerinas, Irish dancers, oh, <laughs> NBA cheerleaders, all kinds of interesting professions, and Nuri certainly has one too. She is a professional pianist. Now, we talk about how I struggle with that word, but professional piano player um, goes all over the world and, and performs in concerts. Super, super awesome. So what we do in this interview, I spend the first half probably talking about what it's like to be a professional piano player. We Right in the middle, we talk about the experience being on Killer Camp and the reality show world and being on a reality show that's based on, you know, killing someone. I, I, I guess the, a good, what they're trying to make it is kind of a Friday the 13th-esque thing. Summer Camp, this group's there. You know, they're actually even kind of wearing the 80s long socks and, and gym clothes type thing. So um, it was a cool reality show. And so we talk about that experience being on there how it kind of where it fit in the the world of her being a pianist and what she's been doing since um so we do piano killer camp and then back to piano um and kind of what she's up to these days so i really do think you're going to enjoy this whether you want a part of the series that is talking to people in interesting professions or that series of talking to people in reality shows this is a crazy reality show this is also one from another country so what makes those different than the U.S. ones? Are they different? We'll see. Um, but I think you're going to like this one. Such a pleasure to speak with her. Here is my interview with Nuri Lee. I'm here today with Nuri Lee. Nuri, how are you? 
I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for agreeing to join me. I appreciate it very much. Our pleasure. Yeah, so we've got several things to cover and two very, very different type of things. But before we kind of get into those two vastly different topics, just introduce yourself if you would. Okay, so I'm Nari and yes, I'm a concert pianist and um, yeah, (laughs) this is what I do. (laughs) Good enough. Yeah, I'm going to show my incompetence really early in this interview. And the thing that I struggle with is that word. It, how do you, is it pianist, pianoist? Pian, how, do, how do we say this word that, that you are a professional at? <laughs> I think it's pianist, yeah. but I don't know. I've heard pianoist. I've heard <laughs> you know, lots of sort of. You can get, you can get it. You, if you say it wrong, you can say something totally different, I think, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Got to be very like, careful with yeah. that one. Yeah. Hopefully, no one calls you that too often, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but if. I mean, the, so the two things we're going to talk about, obviously, is you being a concert pianist and then also a reality show you were on called Killer Camp. Let's get yeah. kind of let's start, which is, like I said, two vastly different things. But let's mm-hmm. start kind of with your uh, I guess what your life's work is and tell us how you uh, started with with piano and, and you know, what age and, and what got you into the, the profession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I started piano when I was six years old. Um, mm. So quite young. And I started because my mum, you know, she played the piano and then my sister was learning. Um, my mum always loved to play the piano. Uh, and then I was like, I was always around the music and my sister's older than me. So she started playing and then I was like, oh, I really want to play. So I just started sort of just bashing on the notes on the piano. And then my mum was like, okay, it's your turn. And then since literally since day one, I was just obsessed with the instrument. <laughs> yeah. And then um, from there, I went to like a proper teacher and then to music school. And sort of, you know, went through the sort of system of paint, yeah, learning the piano and yeah, just graduated. So no, that's that's really, really cool. And and I've talked to you know, I've talked to Olympic gold medalists, I've talked to people who, you know, are professional ballerinas and all these things. And it's funny that a common theme is I had an older sibling who did this and I got really into it. The question I always like to ask is to create a little bit of that rivalry if they listen who's better now i'm i'm sure you've blown your sister away at this point haven't you well yeah i, I i'd always um, i guess i'd always compete with her because she was the older sister and you know, i'd admired her a lot and then like, you know I'd, so yeah she decided to do something else like completely different more into like she's a lawyer now so i was like right piano is my thing all right well i like that you you admitted that yeah i'm better i talked to <laughs> a person who had won two gold medals in water polo. Obviously she was the MVP of the entire last summer Olympics. So obviously super awesome. But when mm-hmm. I asked her if her sister, who bet was better, her or her sister, she wouldn't admit that she was better. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? You won two <laughs> gold medals. Your sister stopped in college and you won't admit that you're better. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it was, I take it, any opportunity to just, I like it. I like it. Yeah. And you, I mean, you talked about, you know, going to school for piano um, mm-hmm. and I, I, you you go to music school kind of in, I guess, at the grade school level, which obviously you're you're in the United Kingdom. We're probably going to call things a little different, but grade school mm-hmm. level and then university. My question is, is this like a side thing where you are also doing this and then also your your regular academics or, or both of these things kind of combined? You're doing math and English and science and then you go into piano class uh, mm-hmm. at the same place 
yeah so it's it's like they're combined mm-hmm. so these are music schools I think there's about four in the UK and they're sort of like the timetable is you know you have your English class you know maths uh, science and then you have like a practice slot like in the timetable throughout the day so mm-hmm. um and then you like music lessons as well and then like concerts and other activities sort of after school so it's kind of like you do all of it with the music side like kind of mingled uh in between them and then after school at like music college then it's obviously just your just your piano or just your instrument um that you specialize in yeah so once you do get to the the college level you are just doing that because i know yeah. like here we have music schools at the university level but at the same time they still have to do you know their their other things so they may be a cellist or a pianist but also they're still having to take regular classes too that's not the case with you guys yeah we have so like in undergrad we uh we had these sort of you know like history of music lectures or like harmony classes and you know listening but it's mostly focused on uh your one-to-one lessons like piano and how to play it you know a lot of it's based on like the art of playing the instrument um yeah which is pretty interesting yeah for for sure so I mean, this seems like an obvious question, but I assume this is, you know, you're a professional. This is your full-time job doing this, correct? Yeah. So it's like piano as a whole, I guess. So I do a little bit of teaching, you know, some recordings and things in the performance. So, yeah. Oh, that's really awesome. I feel like that you, I mean, you've been doing it for so long to to continue doing something that you, you love like that. It has to be pretty rewarding, right? Oh, absolutely. I think it's it's you know the reward you get from doing it i think it's sort of like un- uncompromising you know the yeah it's pretty pretty yeah. fun everything is like fun no I, I like i like to hear that for sure and i want to know you talked to me in an email about how competitive the world of piano is talk a little bit about i guess that competitive nature both now that you're you know at the professional level and then let's kind of rewind back to when you were in, in school. I assume you probably had to get accepted into the program. How, what does that look like? Do you have to do like an audition? Talk about the, the entire competitive scope of, of piano. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think just the music world in general and is, is just very competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the nature of like getting into music school, the music college, um, and, you know, anything that you apply to, you have to do like auditions. So, uh nowadays you can do audition tapes but there you do live auditions and then they interview you afterwards um and there's only like a few spots uh, available so you just have to you know play your best and then see whether they like it or not um and with something like music and art it's very hard to sort of uh judge I guess you know it's, it's always subjective so um yeah but it's all based on audition process and then you get in you know, with scholarships or not and then um and once you're in it's still competitive because there's certain opportunities, you know, to play in a concert. You need one musician, let's say like a pianist to play in the concert. And then that's also competitive to try and get um, there. And then after you graduate, it's like to find work. It's, uh, yeah, there's only like a few spots uh, available. Um, but I think it's it's tricky to get into that mind frame because I think it can lead, to, lead you into a toxic path. Um, but mm. you sort of have to, because like compete with yourself and sort of bettering yourself, honing your skills down. Um, yeah. So I guess I had to like learn that. <laughs> yeah. Know. No, that yeah. makes sense. And I mean, you talk about the subjective nature of it kind of brings up a good point. When I talked to somebody who was in Irish dance, she talked all about how 
you know, the whole thing of it is everything should be exactly the same. Everyone should be doing the exact same dance. There shouldn't be any difference. So then I obviously asked, well, how do they decide who's better if everyone's doing the exact same thing? And there is some, obviously, some nepotism to it. There's some who you knows to it. I just wonder Mm -hmm. if you have to deal with that in the music world. I'm sure you do to a level, but how intense is is that that you've got to be rubbing the right shoulders? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I uh, I don't know because obviously I'd like to believe that it's just simply you know based on pure music and you know if you really love it, I guess you can be moved to it. Um, the older I get, I think sometimes you know if you like concerts and opportunities naturally, if you know the right people, then they're like, oh, we have a you know we have a opportunity here, then they'll contact the people that they know. So I guess in terms of that, it's sort of knowing the right people. Um, but you know, if there's someone who plays really well and you know you get really moved by it, then I think naturally you'll be like, oh, they're just such a great player. Um, yeah, so I think there's definitely like who you know. I think with yeah. any sort of, I don't know, art or whatever, um, but also very much like how you play, you know, your style of playing as well. Um, and it's so personal, it's like so to do with the kind of person you are and the person who likes it or not. It's also, you know, whether that's their style of music or whether that's the way they like you know to be playing or things like that yeah it's it's very like once you get to a level it's always like fine details it's yeah right right no that that makes sense for sure I guess my next question would that be you you talked about once you get out of school and finding different work if you play the violin people are going to probably look at orchestras if people Mm -hmm. are ballet ballet dancers they're going to try to join a, a ballet company what do you what kind of work do you do as a as a pianist? I'm gonna struggle with that word every time I try to say it. Pianist. <laughs> yeah. I don't know whether there is there's a piano and an orchestra, not normally. So what kind of work do you do as a professional? Yeah, it's um it's very much sort of like freelance, you know, it's very mm-hmm. much like you yourself. And you, I think you have to be so versatile as a pianist because you can find work doing, you know, playing jazz and then classical and then doing covers of pop songs, you know, film music, game music. You have to you know, understand the instrument so well and all these different genres and be sort of flexible to get the most work, I guess. Um, mm. But yeah, everything's very, there's there's not like, yeah, you join an orchestra, everything's very, okay, so you have one job coming up, like a concert, and then the next thing, and then the next thing. So it's very much like you yourself. Um, it's, yeah, there's no, almost no level of stability unless it's yeah. um, a regular sort of, you know, event that you play at or something. Um, which makes it exciting, but also, you know, it comes with the risk. Uh, yeah. yeah the very lifestyle. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. So here in the, in the States, in big department stores, there's a lot of times there's somebody playing a piano, somebody, an old, older person, and mm-hmm. I don't, they're just background music. So that leads me, I guess, to ask you, what's the most interesting freelance job that you've, you've taken? I don't know whether you've ever been in an apartment store, happened to be the background music or, playing at an event that you had no idea what it was give me an interesting job you've had to take oh that's a good question um I mean yeah I mean the background music stuff I've done a few of like there's a um there's these sort of like big events in this like really fancy apartment place like in, in Notting Hill and it's like uh sort of like a private members club I mean I had no idea what I was doing there but I just had to play you know background piano solo um music so that was interesting um and then sometimes they ask for requests so this mm. one they asked me to sort of make piano covers of Kanye West's album uh. <laughs> uh, 
And I was like, okay, now this is going to be a true challenge. Like, how do I convert rap music into piano, right? Mm. Um, so I think that was like pretty interesting because that was a real challenge. I had to be like, okay, <laughs> you know, how am I going to make the cover? But, it, you know, it was fun and it worked well. So, yeah. Well, that's, and that kind of just showcases a totally different skill. So obviously you're good, good at the piano. You're good at following music, reading music, but do you, do you work a little bit in the composing or at least the, because you changed the Kanye West song. So that takes something. So do you, do you write any of your own music? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I've done, I've written my own music, um, usually just like improvising. So when you get to the, you know, when I'm on the piano, I'll just like, you know, go around improvising a little bit. Um, and when I was younger, I guess I, I did write a few compositions, but the older I get is much more in terms of like, here's a piece of music that, that I've written or from a composer, and then I'll just play it, interpret it. So I guess mm-hmm. it's like bring it to life kind of thing. So that's what I do more nowadays. Um, so I don't, yeah, I haven't written that much, but for fun now and again. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And we're talking, going back to the the competitive part of it. How do people get better at piano? How do people beat the competition? I'm sure practice, practice, practice is a huge, huge part of it. But is there anything other surprising part that how people, I guess, do better at it? Yeah, it's it's one of these things. I think piano, it's um, it's like learning a language. I think there's no shortcuts to it. You know, so mm. it's like if you want to learn the piano, it's a very sort of long term uh, thing to do um, because there's like the basics of you know knowing all the notes and the theory side and then once you get past that and all the you know difficult technical side they're physically difficult to play uh, certain pieces and then you go to the musical side of it you know like how you know interpreting the music the message you see behind the music you know these like dark like philosophical ideas and things um and that yeah I so it's like a long term I think it's like consistency is one thing um and you need a certain amount of discipline you know to sort of practice practice it but then once you're like past that part it's sort of um I don't know you need to be like an artist in a way you have to like play you have to have a voice and you have to like speak with the music um and not you know just play all the notes you have to go past it and you know find out the meaning behind the notes and really like make the piano sing and really know the instrument as a whole um because also every concert you're presented with a different piano you have Mm. to adapt quickly to that um yeah and I guess it's sort of expressing yourself and um you know the music in in the concert hall so yeah there's so many sort of different uh layers because uh, yeah once you think you've hit you know you've achieved something and then there's another door you have to go across you know there's further further um ways to like be better and improve yourself yeah, yeah. no that that makes sense and i mean that's kind of a good segue into thinking about how easy is it to I guess, get good at piano if you put the effort in and you practice. And the reason I ask that is because there's plenty of things, you know, all all kinds of things that let's talk about sports. Mm -hmm. You could practice and practice and practice to be a great baseball player, a great soccer player, um, which obviously is football there. But and sometimes it's just a God given ability too. there's a natural ability that you're going to reach your, you're going to reach the top that you're going to get no matter how hard you practice. Is there a natural ability to, to piano or do you think anyone could do it with the, the right, uh, the right practice? That's a very interesting question. Um, that's very interesting. I think personally there is like a natural ability to it. Um, and I guess 
because I also teach and I guess sometimes you can like see even from like uh, if you, when you're younger um, some people take to it quicker but I think I mean you know as long as you know you can like practice and practice and practice but also um, once you get to like a certain level I think you can really see the difference between someone who can just practice and then you know that's about it and then someone who can really just speak with the music you know mm. speak with the instrument as well um and these when you know when you hear people play like that then I'm like oh this must this must be like a god-given you know sort of talent um that like discipline can only go get you so far and you know the extra bit on top the actual music part is like something else yeah sort of out yeah. of this yeah yeah I, I like I like that because obviously when it comes to a a sport or a, a profession that there's a physicality to it you know sometimes your that physicality is what limits people but mm -hmm. i really was truly interested when it comes to the piano because you know there's not that much physicality to it but what you, it makes a ton of sense what you're saying that i mean there's a point where you can practice and practice up until being able to read the notes and make sure that you can play those notes well but mm -hmm. it makes sense to think that the people who are really good they go beyond that and actually be able to take in the music, feel the music and show you that feeling. So I think that's really, really powerful thing. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. You can like, yeah, you can like really hear that. Yeah. So I assume you're at that level where you're feeling the music. I haven't watched it. I've watched some of, of your performances, but not a ton to even remember this part. How, mm -hmm. are, are you one of these, the, and it's probably hard for you to even tell definitely if you're really feeling the music, but are you one of these people who are, super expressive and moving moving around or are you a very solemn player it's <laughs> <laughs> a good question I think um I don't know because it's, it's tricky because I never used to like obviously to watch myself play and I remember the first time I took a video because like for this audition I had to like tape myself and I was like is that really what I look like <laughs> it's very strange um and I've heard people say you know like when, I, when I'm speaking I'm a bit more like smiley but when you're in the music it's very like serious you know it's very um and you get like enter this world of sort of um like the focus is different you know um but I guess yeah I do I do move around a bit uh, sometimes you know for the expression sometimes for the sound um and you know like technically you have to physically move your arm or your your hands in a certain way for the piano to speak a certain way as well so yeah I think I do that or like to have power you know a bit more like <laughs> so yeah it. I think I do move, move around a bit um like yeah <laughs> yeah well, well I'll make sure to put a a video in the show notes to to show you and we'll we'll all be the judge of that i guess <laughs> one more question about the piano then i'm going to go to the killer camp and then we'll go back to piano but so uh, again just in in knowing other professional performers you know there's certain things obviously in ballet the nutcracker where everyone has to do that and some people hate it and some people love it because that's what everyone knows from from ballet is mm -hmm. what's some of your favorite and least favorite pieces to play? Is there certain ones that almost everyone knows that you're like, ugh, I if I never have to play this again, I would be happy. Um, give us some of your your favorite and least favorites. Oh yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that I mean the like the ones that people know. I guess it's like um, you know the Mozart, uh, like da -da 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 -da, um, that you know for release by Beethoven, some Chopin, Fantasy and Pochi um things like that and I think but well, it's really weird because I actually love these <laughs> these pieces and they're quite um they're like slightly less tricky to play but I love like playing them because I genuinely just like the sound of them and I think um 
they're very like audience friendly but there are some pieces that I think are just like epic you know just incredible and I was like oh these, these need to be played more um and like some pieces I guess it's like Bach Fasoni Shokan um some of these pieces by Tchaikovsky um and some of these Chopin pieces that people don't know or they're not like as commonly played mm. um but they're just amazing you know uh, and I really wish that these works were played even more so yeah there are I think Chopin and Liszt I love Tchaikovsky I also love um yeah, so there's these sort of compares. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you because you've got to give me one thing that you have that you've had to play a lot that you're not a fan of. Surely you've got at least one. Oh, I don't know because it's interesting. I've never had to play like the same recurring piece yeah. or thing. Um, ah, oh, it's a tricky one. Yeah, because like each concert, I yeah. luckily have the freedom to be like, okay, this is the piece I'm learning we're going to do these and then it's sort of like that um that makes sense well i won't yeah. I, I'll, I'll i won't i won't make you uh make you figure out one because that doesn't make sense if you're kind of a, a freelance and you can play whatever you want to play so i guess to spin that question did you enjoy having to to do these kanye west songs <laughs> i actually loved well i listened to the album kanye west i think it was like college dropout album i was like oh this is amazing <laughs> and yeah. then and then um yeah I, that was really just tricky to like make it sound like the original tracks you know on the piano um but it was it was fun to do and I think I was like okay th- this will have to just work because I was a big Eminem fan as well and I used to just you know play all the chords in Eminem um so I was like okay let's just try and do something with this yeah but I, yeah I loved it I gotcha yeah mm-hmm. I and I don't know how much of you guys play the same things that that we do. When I've talked to like people on piano here, obviously not at your level, things that people say they don't like is like people just saying, Oh, can you play chopsticks? Do you know chopsticks? Oh. Or or how about the Adams family? Do you know the Adams family? I know the Adams family, but I don't think I've been asked to play that ever. Yeah. Do 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 I can do that. I could that's the one thing I can play. Yeah, I think. Well, maybe, oh, I think people have been like, oh, can you play like Still by Dr. Dre? I think a lot of people just thrun, 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 just try um, things like that. But yeah, I haven't really been asked to play a lot of, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's all <laughs> right. Hey, there surely is something that someone's asked me now. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. let's, let's, let's kind of go into to Killer Camp. Where were you at with your, in your world of piano when, when this, opportunity came about and how did this how did this happen <laughs> yeah so, and this is interesting so this was um in 2019 and I think I was just um finishing my master's degree at the Royal College mm. um I was in my second year and um so I got this message on my Instagram like the DM messages and I opened it and it was someone being like oh you know with my ITV would you be interested in um like applying for this reality TV show at Killer Camp. And they just, you know, gave a few details. And I was like, uh, is this, is it, you know, is this a scam? Or is this kind of not real? That sort of didn't really pay too much attention to it. Um, and then they messaged me again being, oh, we didn't receive the application. I was like, okay, let me just put something in and then we'll see. And then from there, it was sort of interview process after another. Um, but yeah, it was so like, just something I would never would have, you know, thought of doing. Um, but I absolutely loved it. I think it was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. And 
So how popular was the show in the UK? Because it was shown here like a year later during COVID times when they weren't filming things. They were just trying to find shows from around the world. Mm -hmm. And it was shown on a channel here that's not a super popular channel. So I don't think a ton of people have necessarily seen it. I saw just because I thought it was so interesting. I had to, I had to check it out. How popular was it in the UK? It was, um, yeah. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I'm not sure how popular it was because I was actually in South Korea when it aired and I couldn't mm. even watch the show when it aired. Mm. I just got, you know, all my friends are just posting me on the stories. Oh, look, you're on TV. Um, but I think it was, it wasn't, you know, very popular, not like Love Island or any of these, you know, big sort of reality TV shows. Um, mm. Because it was it was the first series and it was you know it was completely new, um, but I think you know a few people watched it, a few of my friends watched it. Um, it was still aired on you know one of the main sort of um, TV channels, and it was sort of the Halloween thing, you know, it mm. aired for and right. yeah, so. right. And I think that I just kind of thought about this because it was on one of your main channels. It was not on a main channel here. It was on like a broadcast channel but not one of the big ones you know the abc nbc cbs here but just thinking of it given that the uk is smaller when i say ours was not very popular it's because like 1.2 million people watched it where most reality shows here you know like 15 million people watch it so 1.2 million is probably still pretty good in the uk right yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it was, it was, um, there were articles written about it, like before and after. And, yeah. you know, there were like, there was, you know, quite a bit of press around it. So I think mm. I wasn't really there to like experience it because I was in Korea, but just with all the online stuff, I saw it. And, you know, it was on like Lad Bible, which is this kind of, you know, fun little, um, like, you know, uh, thing on in the UK. So, yeah, I think it was sort of, I think when it aired, it had a buzz around it. And mm. then, yeah. Then that's why they made a second season of it. No, that that makes sense. And I mean, most people listen to this podcast, so they're not gonna they're not gonna see us. So just to tie up things, obviously you're, I assume you're from the United Kingdom, just based on your accent. And then you went to Korea, so and I, I'm assuming you're of Korean descent, correct? Yeah, that's right, South Korean. Yeah, I got um, you. So yeah, my parents are South Korean. I was born in the UK and sort of raised here. But yeah, I've been back and forth. Uh, to Korea to see my family and yeah very good awesome so for people who don't know about the show because it wasn't super popular here explain what this is people are hearing a reality show called killer camp that sounds super crazy and it was super crazy so tell us what it was all about yeah so actually it was interesting before like they said it was killer camp I remember they told us in all of the interview processes they were like oh it's called uh, it's a summer camp and it'll be you know it's meant to be uh, based is meant to be like this fun summer camp you do activities and um you know it's yeah it's just going to be you know it's going to be lots of activities and you meet some people um and then they said there's going to be a twist there we mm. didn't know what it was um until so yeah it was filmed in Lithuania and we went there and then they you know they took our phones we went and did the thing and then on the day of filming um they were like oh you know this is called killer camp and one of you is the killer we were just really scared. Uh, mm. You can kind of see it when uh, on the show, and these are sort of like real um, sort of expressions. People were like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> it was just, we weren't expecting that at all. Um, we thought it'd just be like a really fun sort of uh, like summer camp thing. So it just had a sudden dark twist on it. Um, yeah, so that was really unexpected. 
they didn't give us too much information about it, so we didn't really know what to expect. Uh, yeah, I wondered how real that part was, and I assume it. I, I mean, it sounds like it was that that you really didn't know what you were getting yourself into. I feel like if you would have known that's what you're getting yourself into, would you have would you have went out for this show? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think so. Still, it was funny because they asked me in in the interview process. They were like, you know, what what have you been doing? And I was like, oh yeah, you know, I went to the cinema and watched scary movie called up and they were, like, they were really clinging on to that they're like oh so you like horror you're like uh the truth was i actually hated horror i'm actually you know i get scared really easily mm-hmm. um i was like yeah yeah i love it <laughs> uh sort of thing so um yeah i wasn't expecting it at all i guess i probably would have um just because it is such a fun experience and i was sort of at the point of my life just wanting to do things completely differently just you know wanting to take every experience as it comes um and this was one of them so yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, obviously, for those who haven't watched the show, I think you can still watch it here in the United States on the CW, the T, or the website. Um, but you didn't last too long. You were out in the first first episode, I think, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so you, maybe you you don't even know this answer. Maybe you do, but obviously, the person who was the killer had to know that at some point so do you think they like took them aside and told them you're going to be the the person or i mean there's some more things to it i think there was more than one killer potentially but yeah yeah so um actually the killer after they told me you know what they um they decided to kill me um but yeah they said they spoke to the producer so i think the killers had a meeting with the producers uh Mm. after each before each elimination they were like oh i want to kill this person because of something something um, so it's all very strategic, I guess, on their side as well. And also we had to tell the producers, we had to be like, who, they asked us who we think the killer are. So we just, you know, mm-hmm. here's the names. Um, so I think it was all sort of like that. Um, yeah. But it was a really interesting environment. It, it was very unsettling because, you know, you make friends and you're like, oh, okay, these, there's all these new new people. Um, but like one could potentially be the killer. So you always have this sort of doubt in your mind. And you're like, are you my friend or not? <laughs> that sort of feeling. Which is, right. Well, I, I like to hear that, you know, the killer air quotes actually had some say in it. Because, I mean, there's plenty of reality shows that they're really the ones picking all these things because mm-hmm. they're trying to make the best TV show. So it sounds like it was actually, act, you know, factual in, in that regard. Um mm-hmm. So you, you, you weren't there for a, a super long time, but how long was the entire filming process for this do you know yeah so I, I even though I was out I had to stay for the whole like duration oh. of filming so it was I think about 10 days okay. uh 10 days um in Lithuania so I had to I had to um film like my death scene um and that was right at the end so we had to like everyone had to like get into the um that was the more acting part I think of you know filming the scene and putting on all this like makeup around um all the gore and things like that but yeah i think that was one of the fun parts as well yeah yeah and i, I was going to ask you about that i wondered about that because obviously the death scene of each person is it's a very produced thing that's an it, that's kind of goes away from being reality tv and now it's kind of being like a, a b b movie you know <laughs> horror movie yeah. basically so and so everyone did that at the very end of the show yeah, so I, everyone had like a different day, but it was sort of after um, the main reality part was filmed and then everyone 
uh, got into sort of, there was a makeup artist who put on all, you know, the blood and the gore. Um, and then we just had to film it sort of, yeah, in, like in our sort of sections. Yeah. Um, and it was, it felt like I was in a movie set, sort of, um, all these huge cameras and, yeah, and they were like, oh, retake or do this bit again. And yeah, it was, uh, yeah, that was really fun. And it was done at like 2 a.m. <laughs> so something, you know. But. Yeah, that's dangerous that they have you do it at the very end, because what if they figured out this person is incapable of acting? They, they're not going to be able to do this. They're not going to be able to do what they need to do. So I think that's that's funny. How did you uh, how did you meet your demise? I don't remember your death scene exactly. They're all crazy things. People get their heads cut off by wires or. Yeah, they, yeah so that I think that was you. Yeah. So t- <laughs> yeah. tell us a little bit about your death scene. Yeah. So this was. um. Yeah, so they had to, like a razor wire and I had to get a Segway. And just it was just so bizarre. So I had to get a Segway and I meant to be just Segwaying down this path. And then I, I suddenly, you know, see the wire and then before you know it, my head gets chopped off. Um, and they had this fake head. <laughs> like they had like a copy of my head and that just flies off. And then my body on the Segway just kind of keep going, going with blood sort of squirting out <laughs> from my neck. Um, yeah, that was a pretty graphic scene. But um, I yeah, I just had to like segue down the road, and then they were like, "Oh, you know, close up to your face, being like." Oh. And then I I had to be buried. Yeah, so my head um had to be under the ground. So they just dug a little pit, and then I just had to lie there. And they just put you know all the rest of the grass uh on my neck, and then that was yeah, just had to pretend to be dead. <laughs> that's that's crazy. So yeah. I. I want to ask a few more questions about this, but I'm going to tie back in your, your other part of your, your life. And I guess everyone should have a sense of humor and not take themselves too seriously. And I love that you did this. Did you, but I mean, obviously concert pianist is a very serious world. Did you worry at all that, that, oh my gosh, I am going to be playing, you know, this big prestigious thing. I'm going to be pounding out Beethoven and, Somebody somewhere can play on a loop. Me getting my head cut off by a razor wire. <laughs> yes, I mean, I think it's interesting because when I like got this, like a few of my friends, you know, all my friends, oh my god, yeah, you've got to do this. And I think I was just very young and just I almost like didn't care. I was, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, you know, it's gonna be fun. Let's do it. Um, I had like one friend who was, they were like a bit worried. They were like, oh, but what if it does, you know, interfere with your, you know, your classical music career? Um, but then also, I just think you've got to have fun and it's sort of like, who cares? You know, that's just one thing. That's one part of what I do. Um, you know, this is also another. Um, it doesn't really take away from the music. And, you know, so I think it'd be funny <laughs> to see from Beethoven and a bit of that. Um, so, yeah, and I think I'm very much in this school of thought of, you know, even the classical music is very serious. It's also fun and it's also, um, you know, one shouldn't take themselves so seriously and, you know, do everything you can, sort of, um, as long as it doesn't detract from the music itself. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, let's just do it. Um, I, I, I agree with that. I uh, has in the years since then, has it has it ever came back up? It definitely sets you apart. If you're trying people are trying to decide between you and one other person, you were on a reality show and you got your head cut <laughs> off in that reality show. That sets you apart. So has it ever came up at all since since that time? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I feel like a lot of the 
like or agents or I guess like you know concert organizers <laughs> I don't really know that mm. I did this I feel like a lot of it is like my friends or people who watch the show and then they go on my YouTube and we're like oh you're in killer camp so I think mm. these two identities um they don't really collide together mm. um but I think my friends who kind of know both they just just find it funny they're like oh my gosh like, you know she was also in a reality tv show so it's sort of um yeah I've had no one sort of you know, ask me about it in a concert or anything uh yet so <laughs> yeah we'll see you should you should play your death scene on a loop behind you and and create music for for that scene I think that'll be hilarious. You should do it. There you go. I'm giving you ideas. I don't even I don't even need any any uh, royalties for it. That idea. <laughs> okay, I'll take that idea. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Um. You. So you you said that you had to stay for the whole ten days, even though you were gone very early. So were you still hanging out with those people just when the cameras were off, or were you kind of quarantined off on your own, or what did that look like? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I was quarantined off in, like, a hotel room. Uh, mm. So, like, it was filmed in an island, and, in, in, you know, in the island there was, you know, all this, this, like, little cabin where that's where the reality TV uh, production was being made. And then once we were killed off, we went back to the hotel room. So we just had to stay there and just go to the centre, you know. It was like a bit of a holiday, you know, just... And as each person, you know, were killed off, we'd all be like, oh, no, who's the killer? And we just try and, you know, think about it. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, and so it was always it was always fun and engaging until the very last moment when we found out who the killer was, and it felt like we were in this like we felt like characters in this story in this book, and we just it was all written, um, and we were just like we didn't know what the outcome would be kind of thing. So it was very exciting, but yeah, we were just in the hotel room and just having a bit of a holiday, relaxing until yeah until we had to film the rest. Well, I mean, some people if they weren't super pumped about the show maybe sees being off in the beginning and then just getting to kick back and on a holiday for the whole time may have been a, a good thing <laughs> yeah I mean I mean I couldn't complain I was like <laughs> I'm here anyway um and you know having that opportunity in the first place I think I was you know I was grateful for so I was like this is great it's great fun um so yeah everything about it for me was positive the whole experience um and I guess I'm not sure how I would have been if I stayed there longer, you know, sort of. But I think, yeah, for me, it was just like a whole load of fun. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I mean, obviously, with this show, it's all about kind of being the, the creepiness to it and, you know, the horror part to it. And that host was super creepy acting on TV. What was he like in real life? Is this guy really that strange in real life? Right. He was. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time he came out. We like none of us really. I think someone was like, "Oh, he's actually he's a comedian." But I didn't know if he was playing it on or that this is actually him. We were sort of looking at each other like, "Um, and this is really sort of." I was kind of creeped out. <laughs> um, but he, I mean, he did an amazing job <laughs> to sort of create that atmosphere and like having this whole like backstory of what he's meant to be um in the show. But I, I don't know. I don't know how he was like outside. Of that because we didn't really hang out that much mm. um but yeah i think he did super, it was just super creepy but it's yeah. really funny actually one of my friends um met him in london in a park apparently and she was like oh you're the host for killer camp they were like oh do you know he was like oh yeah <laughs> it was so funny yeah 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 well i i yeah i don't know i would have been almost afraid to, to 
approach him at the park if I wasn't exactly sure if he was that same fella. Yeah, <laughs> but he's, I think he's a comedian. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, he's great. Yeah, yeah. For, for sure. So last two questions about Killer Camp. One is, is there any surprising details to this show or any just kind of how reality works that people wouldn't necessarily think of? It's maybe a hard question to answer, but. Mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, for me, it was like a completely like interesting experience. Um, I think like it's all real in terms of like we're never scripted to say anything. Um, I guess the only organized thing is they'll put you into a group, let's say, of like four people. They'll be like, oh, do you guys want to hang out together here? I'm just going to film something and you can just talk and have a conversation. So mm-hmm. in that way, I, bet, I think they just put you together in certain groups that like you probably they know what you'll discuss or something. But aside from that, it's very sort of, yeah, it's very sort of real. Uh, some things you have to film again, you know, naturally they'll be like, oh, can we just do this, do this again? Because, you know, they got a different angle or something. And some things they leave out um, and it's edited in certain ways. But yeah, altogether, they're just like, you know, here it is, just be yourself. Let's put on a good show sort of thing. Um, well, that's good. And yeah, and it's all these people you don't know as well. I think it's all these like strangers. So you're sort of adjusting yourself socially amongst um, these group of people and you don't really notice the cameras as well when mm. you know in the cabin or in the at night time but yeah apart from that it was just yeah they just like put you into situations i think well that's yeah. that's that's good because it's that's not always the case in u.s reality some's real and some's not um have mm. you ever heard you talked about some editing have you ever heard the term frankenbites no, so that's a big thing in reality shows not all of them but i don't it doesn't sound like that probably happened here but it's basically yeah i said all the things that is here but i didn't say them in the order that you put them or in the same way so they edit it in a way where you're saying something that you never even really said oh yeah i guess yeah i guess that kind of thing i guess could happen um i'm not sure if it happens so much on killer camp but i can see that you know sometimes they'll edit things out or make the perspective seem a certain way um let's say but it was all sort of yeah it's I I still got the same sort of feeling in there as I did when I watched the show so I think it's pretty accurate from what I could take yeah well the show they created already is just based on what it is already had enough drama so they probably didn't have to create drama that wasn't already there so that that makes sense so in wrapping up the reality show world if they had like, you know, a, a killer camp reunion or they had, you know, the first people out in the last 10 seasons of killer camp, we're going to all go back to an island. One, would you do a killer camp again? Two, based on this experience, would you do reality TV at all again? It's <laughs> a good question. Um, reunion, yeah, because I think we were all quite close. We had a big WhatsApp group. Um, we speak together and I met a few, few, um, the mem- people from the killer camp um show sort of outside um afterwards in london you know we meet for a coffee and things like that um and we had like a few reunions afterwards as well so yeah definitely meet up again um would i do another one i'm not sure pro- i mean yeah probably uh i think it depends on the reality tv show probably not like a, a dating type one uh like love island or things but i think yeah i'm not sure because i've had the experience now um and i really did like it so I'm, you know, I'm not too sure about whether I'll do another one. It's not something I'll actively seek out, I think. Yeah. So from one, I guess, air quote, scary thing to a, an actual scary thing back in real the real world, 
Uh, talk about your world when it came to you know COVID nineteen. You talked about in, in your email about how quarantine was a really really scary time in your life, but it also was a really positive time for you too. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think quarantine was just. I mean, it's just obviously a scary time for everyone, but in terms of our our work and things. So we just graduated and then, well, I was studying again, um, but it was all online. So all our concerts were all cancelled. Um, like our main, you know, stream of income that was sort of gone. Um, so for the entertainments and the arts and things, I think it was quite tricky. Um, but I, yeah, I guess for me, it was kind of nice in terms of I had all this time. So I went home back to Bath, the UK, and, you know, I had a piano and some time and I just had yeah I can just like play all the music that I wanted to do I think honestly I grew like creatively and artistically then a lot um that I didn't before because before it was very much you're on this sort of like treadmill of uh, concerts and then what do you play you have to learn the music for the next thing the next thing and then it's very much um you can get into this sort of ball of uh like practicing only for the next event and the next concert it's very like tunnel vision um whereas I felt like quarantine just gave you time and then with that came you know you can play anything all you need is you and your piano and just like experiment with different things and um I had you know the internet so you can listen to really cool recordings and be like oh look at this mm. um and I set up this sort of like online concert series thing um so that you know you and me and my friends could just perform and play to each other um and we had zoom calls with music and I don't know I've just found it um like I found that people you know we try and get around the sort of uh, being on your own mm. sort of thing music and we'd discuss and send each other recordings so I kind of feel like I had an element of freedom with me with music that I didn't before um yeah so like for me it was hard but also like I grew from it so I think yeah I really kind of enjoyed it yeah no that that makes sense I've you know the in the people I've talked to who are in the arts that time certainly was a time that people really found more of their passion. Maybe sometimes they were reintroduced to some of their passions in it. They were able to, to, I guess, focus a little bit more and was able to, I guess, get further inspired. So I understand that for sure. Obviously, it was a time that a lot of people were alone and you kind of lean on support systems and stuff. So let's talk a little bit about that support system, but then also tie it into, you know, that world of piano and having strong mentors and teachers to make you successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, definitely in the lockdown, I was, um, I had my, so I was studying, so I was just graduating from my master's. Mm. I had my teacher and yeah, he was amazing. I think at the time we'd, he'd have like weekly zoom calls with him and his class and we'd have like one piece to sort of play the memorize and then put on YouTube, the same piece and we'd all play together. Um, and then we'd listen to each other's recording and then like talk with that. So um, yeah, that was really good. And then I had, I went on to the Royal Northern College of Music where we just, again, I had my professor and we had sort of Zoom, um, Zoom lessons, which was you know also pretty interesting, but also kept me sort of grounded, kept me going. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of support system, I think, my teachers really, really helped me. Um, I guess, I think like in the world of piano and music, your teacher and your mentor is like very important because you do spend a lot of time, you know, one-to-one -one lessons. Um, so how they sort of like invest in with 
you and your playing and your growth is um really important because I think sometimes it can you know it could make someone give up or it can you know push them to do better um so I've been very very lucky with all the teachers that I've had and at each stage of my sort of level and my journey that they've really helped me um so yeah I've had like different teachers and when I was young when my mum was my first teacher when I was younger um and then I went to this uh this Ukrainian teacher and then from there I went to um the head of keyboard at Wells Cathedral School and then from there I had my teacher at the Royal College of Music and then yeah and so I've just sort of had um great teachers and they've always been supportive and I still have the support now so um I'm always grateful to them to be honest yeah 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 that I mean that's a that's a huge part of, of why you've accomplished what you what you have so I think that's really awesome let's talk about the things that you have accomplished and and the places that you've been able to to perform so tell us some of the coolest places that you've been able to to uh, I guess show your skills yeah I think um I think one happened yesterday right oh yeah yeah I was um I was playing at the Royal Albert Hall yesterday which was um I don't remember it just always being a dream of mine because mm-hmm. the Royal College of Music is literally directly opposite that Albert Hall and mm-hmm. like you know you always see this grand huge building um and to be able to play there yesterday it was just amazing um and it was it was just it was in the Algar room and then there was like a red piano um and um it was like Elton John's piano and we were like wow this is so cool you know mm. there were these pictures of all these artists you know from like the Beatles and everyone and it was just very inspiring to be in that environment um yeah some other places I guess there's a place called the Anvil in the UK um and St George's Hall in Liverpool which is this grand you know beautiful hall and Stoller Hall in in Manchester but yeah I think yeah all these venues it's just like these huge halls you're there and then you're kind of just aware that you're the especially when it's solo you're like I'm the only one sort of you know at the focus of the concert mm. you have to be like okay I need to sort of rise to the occasion sort of thing it's a very interesting psychology that goes on when you're performing yeah so what I mean what does your your future hold when it comes to to the world of piano obviously it's kind of, you said that it's very job by job you'd kind of take it take it as it comes but what do you hope the future holds and do you have anything kind of on the the books that you're excited about yeah I think um it is really very um job by job and I think um yeah I guess in a way it's sort of I'm like I'm living my dream you know all I wanted I guess is to work with the piano and you know have performances to be able to sort of play in concerts and then so I guess like even having concerts being able to perform, I am sort of living my dream currently day to day, no matter how secure or insecure that is, you know, up and down. Um, so my next thing is I'm going to go to uh, South Korea to Seoul and I'm playing a few concerts there. I've got recitals from uh, September to December. Um, so I think that's another dream of mine. So I think I was like, oh, I really would love to play in a concert in Seoul, um, mm-hmm. in Korea, sort of, you know, back to my heritage and it, you know it happened so I was like okay this is great <laughs> um so yeah and I think as I'm sort of getting out there like a lot of the dreams all of the things I've had in my bucket list I've done you know playing Tchaikovsky concerto with an orchestra that was a big one which happened recently in Hungary and I was like oh like that moment you're like okay you know what, what do I have to complain about this is amazing and through all the struggles you've had the ups and downs um it's moments like those that you're like oh this is really worth it 
No, I, I love that for sure. So how can people follow along? How can people find you and, and make sure that they connect and see where, what the future holds? Yeah. So um, I've got uh, and like on Instagram, I do post, um, which is my Instagram, which is Nari Lee, uh, Nari Lee Pianist. And then there's um, Facebook. I upload a few stuff there. And then on my website, I've got narilee.com, um, where you can find the details of upcoming concerts. Um, yeah, and YouTube and I guess, the you know, TikTok for the younger um, people. But yeah, I, I post a lot of my socials there. Um, but upcoming concerts will be on narilee.com. So... I got you. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. No, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me come and speak to you. For sure. So that was Nuri Lee. What an amazing person. Just such interesting topics we talked about between piano and reality shows and being on a crazy reality show that involves, you know, summer camp killers. I, I really enjoyed kind of the intersection there, and, and we, we, I think we covered them both pretty pretty darn well. So Nuri is an amazing person. Really enjoyed speaking with her. Go check her out. The link to her website is in the show notes. Some other contact information for her is in the show notes too, Instagram, all that good stuff. There's also a video in the show notes of her performing. Remember I said it was going to be there. You can judge for yourself on whether you think she shows that emotion. I think she does. She's definitely put some put some faces on that you can tell she's feeling it. So go check that out too. Of course, with us, go uh, go uh, follow us on Instagram, Not in a Huff Podcast, on Facebook, Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Give five stars on Apple and on Spotify. Leave a written review. Really, really appreciate that. The contest, yes, the contest. The person absolutely did. Uh, respond super excited they wanted to stay kind of anonymous other than saying Brittany from virginia thanks so much Brittany. thank you all who entered really appreciate it couldn't be here without you so i celebrated that contest for 100 episodes let's go for 100 more and an even bigger prize at that point so thank you for being here thank you nuri for being here this week we'll see you next week take it away chris This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.